Hello and welcome to the Thriving Broad Podcast. I'm Louise Wiles, an expat and transition coach, and your host for these conversations with expats and international mobility professionals, where we share stories, strategies, and tips and tricks to help you build a thriving international life wherever you are in the world. Welcome to today's conversation with Caroline Allen, a journalist, artist, and novelist. You'll hear more about her story in a moment. But this is a conversation for expats and internationally mobile who are slightly adrift in their international journey and are looking to reconnect with a sense of direction, purpose and power. Caroline helps people to do this through writing and Caroline says, Come to Seattle. I have no power. It's a beautiful place to start if you want to find purpose. And this is, you know, could be equated to the accompanying partner in the expat situation. They have all this power, right, in their careers. And then they go to a place where, you know, maybe nothing's happening. Maybe nobody, it seems nobody cares about what they're an expert at or whatever, right? It's actually why I think the expat lifestyle is so fantastic for any sort of creative or spiritual development, because you're forced to see where your power really is Mm-hmm. And you're forced inside. And that's what happened to me. So, you know, it's interesting that I'm releasing this conversation this week as I'm currently reading a recently published book by Dr. Dr. Benjamin Hardy called Personality Isn't Permanent. Break free from self-limiting beliefs. Rewrite your story. He quotes Dan Gilbert saying, human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. And I think that's a really great lead into this conversation. Now, if you prefer to read, you can download the full transcript from thrivingabroad.com. Look for episode 60 and on the blog post, you'll find the links to the transcript. And you'll also find some links to Caroline, to her website and some great programs that she's offering at the moment. And while you're there, why not sign up for the newsletter and receive my free gift of four playbooks from the Thriving Abroad Together 21 episode podcast series. If you missed that series, this is a great way to learn about the amazing content. I really hope you enjoy this conversation today. Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad podcast. And today I'm excited to welcome Caroline Allen to the conversation. Hi, Caroline. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you joining the conversation today. So let's start with the question I generally ask most people I speak to, and that is to ask you to share a little bit about your expat and I know repat journey so far. Well, thank you for asking. So um, my journey has been, um, I grew up in rural area of the States. And we actually hunted and grew (laughs) everything that we ate until I was about 12 years old. And (laughs) uh, yes, yes. And so uh, very rural. Um, My parents didn't have much education. Um, The extended family, you know, very earth-based and not, um, like I said, not very much education. And I knew even at the age of five, I remember exactly where I was standing in the field knowing that I would travel the world, that I would leave and travel the world, and that nothing was going to stop me. Well, no one had traveled the world before. So by the time I graduated university, I, had, I knew I wanted to go, but I had no idea how to make that happen. This was before the internet and 
researching, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, using the internet to research things. So, yeah. you know, you have no idea where to go or what to do. Um, a friend of a friend of a friend's brother had been to Japan. And I remember meeting him and for about 15 minutes and decided I would go to Japan simply because he said it, you could find a job. I had a university degree in journalism. Um, I sold everything and took the money and flew to Japan. And uh, the local parish church where my parents went to church, the priest had a connection with a Jesuit priest <laughs> in Tokyo. <laughs> and he said I could stay at their Jesuit mission when I got there. So I get there, and I didn't realize that the signs were not in English at that time at all. Mm. Um, so I didn't know how to get out of the airport. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, my God, I look back, and it's so, oh, my God. I write about this uh, in a fictional way in all my novels, the journey of yeah. it. Any, anyway, and I didn't know how to take a train because I'd never taken a train before, even if I could have read the signs. So I got, get in a taxi, and I give the little piece of paper the priest gave me to the guy. And an hour later, uh, I show up at the mission, and I had $250, and the taxi ride cost $150. $250 to my name, and the taxi ride cost $150. Anyway, oh. I'm, learning, I'm learning very rapidly at this point. <laughs> um, so anyway, I did um, ultimately teach English at first, then uh, um, harangued the editor of the biggest English language newspaper there until he hired me as a journalist. Relentless. I was relentless. Anyway, um, and then I, be- I worked for that newspaper for years, became an editor, then um, set up a section of the newspaper for travel. Oh, then I- somebody needs to travel and be a travel writer. So I quit the editing position and traveled to Asia with a backpack for a year and was a travel writer. Then I ended up in London and worked for newspapers in London for um, years. Then the repatriation story is, and this has to do with our subject today, I felt a, I was at the Financial Times when I felt a very strong call to give it up and find my purpose. And the call was so strong, and I want to say this to anybody listening to this, um, because uh, I've been a coach for so many years that the signs are pretty universal. It starts as depression um, when you're not doing what the universe really wants you to do. It kind of starts as depression. And then uh, and disinterest in anything you've done before, and it's very deep. And all I would say is turn and honor that and don't think that the depression is bad. It's actually a sign. It's a good thing. So I was called to repatriate because the problem I had and I know a lot of expats have this, is for me, I couldn't heal without the cultural cues. I needed to do some deep healing. And without the cultural cues, I personally couldn't uh, engage that side of myself that needed healing. And in fact, being an expat is, was kind of joyous because it separated me from all of the cultural cues, right? Um, but also needed some of them, the smells and the tastes and the food and everything to mm-hmm. re-engage a side of myself that had been lost. And I put it this way, that I had to come back and find the missing pieces of myself to put the puzzle fully together. And at this point, I'm a journalist, but I would not have called myself a writer uh, because uh, I would become a fiction writer. The purpose I was looking for was fiction writing. 
mm-hmm. and visual, visual art, and they're very different. One is just in your head. The other one engages all of you, physicality and spiritual and um, core values. All sides of you come out in the fiction writing. But anyway, repatriated to Seattle, and it took three years to even understand what my purpose was. And I'd like to say that to anybody trying to find their purpose right now. It really, the authentic search for it, um, I've found coaching people and I found in my own life takes years. And to be really gentle with yourself as you go through that, because you have to re, um, we often don't even know who we are, right? And I had to find out who I was below all of the, all of the uh, roles I'd been given, you know, all of the messages I had been given. And this is pretty universal because I've helped thousands of people since then. So in my path of finding my purpose as a writer and an artist, I realized that I could turn and help other, mostly women, mainly work with women, but I work with men as well, uh, find theirs because I went through such a rocky, hard time of going here, going there, seeking it here and seeking it there. And I sort of really got very passionate that I could help guide women mm. much more um, much more gently than I had to go through because <laughs> <laughs> it was, wow, it was up and down. Um, yeah. But yeah. So now, now I have three novels um, and then fourth one finished and it's getting out there soon. And they're an ex uh, one. Uh, it's an expat's journey from uh, earth, air, fire, water, ether. It's a five book series and it's an expat's journey of being, you know, Earth is a novel about only knowing the customs of the place where you were born. Air is flying abroad and living, floating above the culture and the perspective and the challenges that that give you. And then fire is the burning of the ego. All of these actually have a story. I'm just telling you the overarching theme. Um, the burning of the ego is fire and then water is healing. And then wow. um, e- ether is uh, where we're, we're, it's like the coaching, like the interviewing you're doing, like the coaching I do. Ether is about we can all be connected no matter where we are in the world. You know? Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's. But you have a different kind of theme that relates to your kind of process and experience but as an expat, but your journey yeah. to finding your purpose as well. Yes, yeah. and it's yeah. it's fiction. Um, Emerson said, "Fiction reveals truth that reality obscures." And I just find that as an artist, that I can get to deeper truth through fiction. Um, yeah. e- each person, so I coach so many different genres, and I would just say each person. Some people want to write memoir to get to that truth. That, that I I don't. There's for me. There's no value judgment in whatever the choice of genre is. But for me, mm-hmm. fiction um, is my um, drug of choice. <laughs> yeah. um, the the other thing is the way the books came to me, and this is the part of uh, the way I coach is they came to me in a dream. All of them <clears throat> in one dream. I woke up and earth, air, fire came to me all at once in a dream. So wow. this is also part of. The coaching I do, which is we're really, really engaging the soul. Mm-hmm. And it's not just an intellectual pursuit, not dry and just in your brain. We're going deep into your beliefs and the work that we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Okay. Can I take you back just to, just a few stages there? Because I'm really interested in what you said about um, that you needed to go home to re-engage yeah. with the cultural cues that you felt you'd lost. Although those were what you were trying to escape from or to leave, I guess, at the point you left. So how do you, how does that... <laughs> How do you reconcile those two? You're really such a great interviewer, Louise. You've come up with the best questions. So um, (laughs) I, I, uh, at the stage that I was at when I left, I I was quite young. Um, The cultural cues were just, uh, I was too close to them to even see them as cultural cues. So Mm -hmm. as you go abroad, you know, you're in a different culture. You start to say, see that some of the cultural cues that you thought were who you were were actually part of your culture right and Mm -hmm. that happens as we go country to country and then we start to separate ourselves from the culture and see who we are Um, so then I personally and I'm not saying this is true for everybody I personally got to a point after many years where I needed those cues to trigger certain memories so I could bring stuff up to be healed So uh, that for me personally was my journey. I know everybody's journey is different. So does that make sense? Does that, does that, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because it's just making me think about, you know, often people, and we'll get on to talk about, you know, particularly expat partners, but you know, the the experience of, of living abroad and the impact that has on your sense of identity, um, you know, often, the way it's it's talked about is that in in relation in particular to expat partners who leave careers behind often um and and feel they need to find themselves abroad you know in their new location and so i was just quite interested to, to hear you doing that in reverse i suppose um which then just raised in my mind the question about whether we're missing something when we're thinking about needing to find ourselves abroad um because you know, there's a connection there, isn't there, that you don't want to miss, which is about where you come from in the first place. So, um, sorry, just thinking aloud there yeah, in a way. Yeah, but, but you um, know, Louise, I do want to say too that when I was going through it, there was none of this industry of coaches to help you mm. find yourself. So uh, I didn't have anywhere else to turn. And it's funny, I went to the Families and Global Transition Conference in The Hague a few years ago. And it was the first time I realized, oh my gosh, this industry just did not exist when I was an expat. Mm, mm. And you know, it makes you very emotional because you know you went through all of this yourself. So I think that that there are different ways of doing it. If there these coaches are in place, this industry is in place to turn and help you find yourself wherever you're at. Some people don't have the luxury of repatriating, right? Their husband, yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, their partner whoever that partner is, may be in the assignment for a lot longer mm-hmm. than, you know, maybe they want to go back, but they can't or whatever. Everybody has their path. Now with coaches, we can do a lot more in the field. And for me, that just didn't exist. So I did the best that I could find at that time to find, right. my, he- find my healing. And it's really different strokes for different folks with the number of people I've coached, uh, you know, different ways to go to towards healing. But I know at that yeah. time it just did, didn't exist to find it anywhere. Isn't it wild that it yeah. didn't exist well, no, no. So recently? I can totally relate to that because I first moved abroad when I, oh, 
when I was just 30. So in, this is going to age me here, but <laughs> in, yeah, 1989, I think, was when we first moved abroad. And I left my corporate career and followed my husband's work to Madrid. And yeah, none of this existed. And yeah. I guess I lived that, that, those years in Madrid and then we went to Lisbon and I did a master's and I, I, my subject for my master's in occupational psychology was the expat experience and adjustment. And I talked to lots of expat partners um, in Portugal as part of the research and suddenly found a lot of common themes and thought, you know, things that I had thought were just, you know, my issues suddenly realised they were shared by so many. Um, and then eventually found FIGT, but that was years later. That was in 2014. So, yeah, it the same for me, actually. Um, it took me a while to discover that there was this shared experience um, and that people were talking about it and supporting each other. <laughs> so, um, it's amazing I, how much it's yeah. changed. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. And yeah. I felt very moved by that at the the FIGT conference. I felt very moved. I was like, oh, wow, had I only had this. You know, when I was thinking it was my depression, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like not realizing that it's a, it's a, a uh, universal response to thrusting yourself into another culture interest yeah you know yeah 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 and I think that's a universal well not universal but that, I mean that's a general response to the FIGT conference because I certainly felt that was the first one I went to and um I mean just recently just two weeks ago we have a UK FIGT affiliate which I am one of I'm one of the co-chairs for and we had a, yeah, a group, a discussion, three people presented their experiences, their challenges, their strategies for coping with those challenges. And there was such a depth of conversation that resulted and everyone saying, oh, you think that? Oh, I felt that too. And, you know, wow. so many, and, and at the end of the conversation, you know, we've got to do this again, we've got to you know, continue these conversations. So such value in that as well for everyone. Um, the one question that I want to ask you now, I, I'm, I can see how and you, you evolved from being a journalist to a writer, but you're also an artist. So tell me about how that came about. How did you discover that element? Well, this is the amazing thing. Um, so I'm going to talk about how I did it. But first, let me tell you, as a coach, uh, the way I coach, each coach has a different uh, organic Uh, gift, I think, right? And the way I coach, the writers often find a hidden, surprising gift in the arts that they have. So I have, I coached a a woman, she actually had a master's in uh, fiction writing. I coached on a novel and she dropped her first single um, years after we started working together. She found her her, uh, singing voice Right. And dropped her for singles. So all, I can name client after client that I coach because my uh, purpose on this planet is helping women unearth their authentic creative voice. And right. that is dimensional. So once we open that door, what comes out is so another woman is a performance artist now. Um, another woman is a lead singer of a band and they're also writing books, right? Right. Uh, Novels and such. So my path was I'm writing 
I started by writing short stories. So the interesting thing too, I want to tell everyone about the path to purpose is I had been at the Financial Times. I get to Seattle. I cannot find a journalism job to save my life. And I had been at really big newspapers, had a very big career, could not find a journalism job. And so uh, I would pick up the phone and call people to make things happen. And they wouldn't call me back. I had had 10 years of people dropping everything to call me back. Important mm -hmm. people. <laughs> no people would have called me back. It was a fantastic, fantastic kind of uh, spiritual lesson in how I thought my power, I thought it was my power, but it wasn't my power. It was the name of the newspapers I was working for. So I come to Seattle. I have no power. It's a beautiful place to start if you want to find purpose. And this is, you know, could be equated to the accompanying partner in the expat situation. They have all this power, right, in their careers. And then they go to a place where, you know, maybe nothing's happening. Maybe nobody, it seems nobody cares about what they're an expert at or whatever, right? It's actually why I think the expat lifestyle is so fantastic for any sort of creative or spiritual development, because you're forced to see where your power really is mm -hmm. and you're forced mm -hmm. inside. And that's what happened to me. So to answer your question, I started writing short stories and I would felt like truly enriched in writing them and truly like I was on my path, but external world wise, I had no power. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what happened with, um, unveiling my stories, I took one veil off after another until I got to the core of who I was. And I, I just, the artist side kept coming up. And the visual artist side, when I was a really little girl, I used to do visual art. Well, I smashed her down very hard several times. And for a few, a few years, I will not be a broke loser artist, right? <laughs> going through my mind, which is a, just in my mind, that's not what other people think, right? Um, so it was just in my mind that, you know, was from messages I got as a child, but whatever, I had to work, yeah. through, all of, work through all of that. And what happened was I went back to be a journalist. I finally, after years, got a job at a newspaper. And within one month, I had severe repetitive strain injury and had to quit. So the universe is saying, you are not <laughs> going to go back. <laughs> you're not going back no matter how much you want to go back you're not going back we want you to go this direction so in my recovery I started tracing my hands I couldn't type at that time I learned to use voice software and voiced my fiction in um, a lot of what I voiced at that time became my first novel earth um, I started tracing my hands because I was bored I collaged my hands in with mythic images and they started selling for $250 a pop. <laughs> wow. I, traced, I, tra I traced my hands and they started selling. I was like, okay. That, so anyway, then I, I, went on, I, went, I was seeing a therapist and I was crying. And she's saying, why are you crying? I said, well, I want to be a writer. How can I also be a visual artist? And she said, who in the world said you could not be both? <laughs> and it was from that moment that that all took off. Yeah. And it's, you know, then it becomes process because yeah. the process of writing a book and doing art is a lifetime pursuit of learning your craft. So instead mm -hmm. of thinking product and the goals of the old world, the 
the old world that I used to belong to were a certain way of thinking of goals as external. Mm -hmm. Um, the new way I live and, and this is also part of the coaching I do is to think of life and your creativity as a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That gives it such a different, um, well, a different feeling number one, but also a different, oh, what's the word I want? Um, this is a completely different character, doesn't it? You know, you're not, it's not externally driven. You're not trying to achieve something for external purposes and other people. It's a, a process that evolves. Um, and as you said, and, it takes time to evolve. Um, yeah. And for the rest of your life, you'll be uh, creating and getting better at it. So there's really, mm -hmm. then you just like sink into process um, so it's a sinking into the self. But the interesting thing, too, with your process as an artist is even 10 years from now, I may have to go backward to go forward. So the trajectory mm -hmm. isn't just the linear mind of mm -hmm. going up the ladder. It's like, you know, they say this in certain self-help books. It's more of a spiral. Mm -hmm. And so you may have to go backward to go forward. And once you own the process, it doesn't the word backward doesn't even make sense anymore. You don't even feel like it's backward. You just feel like it's this energy of self evolution that's yeah. continuous. Yeah. 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 No, I can see that. Um, great. So that's given us a huge yeah, insight into how you've used your experience um, and how that has fed into finding your purpose and then how you, you work with people. Um, so I just want to talk a bit about, you know, expats and particular expat partners who, I mean, you've kind of given us an idea of how, how you work with them. Um, I'm really interested to understand how, how you can use writing to help them find themselves. Is that how you work with expat partners? Is writing yeah. always a part of the process? Um, you know, it, just recently I've had uh, expats contact me for finding purpose. But 98% of the people for 20 years have been um, just th through writing and through not just writing, but writing a book and finishing that book and getting it out into the world. So there are all these right. different types of book coaches or writing coaches. And some, you know, it might be self-exploration in a journal. And that's great. But my goal, and it comes from my journalism days of seeing my byline, is no, you're not, you don't just write it. You get it out into the world. But yes. We've been focusing on, on book writing and the way I think this helps uh, uh, expat accompanying partners is so dimensional. So first, the discipline of writing, I'm very big on getting my clients to set a time period every single day that they're writing and to keep that consistent no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. If you have, so mine is um, when I wake up until noon, is my writing time, and it has been for 25 years. Um, and then I put the clients in the after, I put any work that I have to do in the afternoons. Yeah. Um, but I suggest that first, because the discipline itself uh, is a profound, any sort of artistic discipline is a profound, uh, you know, really helps you shift, it helps you focus, it helps you find meaning in that day. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the first thing. And 
The next thing is to really, um, I have on my website, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, the Expat Creative Writer, um, which is follows for eight weeks the beginning process that I work with with expats, which is, it's not just about, okay, write a book. You have to sort of get aligned with your truth. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing, you know, and I know you, I'm sure you know this with your experience, like it's uh, doing core values exercises. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a lot of different uh, mindfulness exercises. Uh, the, the online program has a yoga pose, which with each writing assignment um, so it's, you, it's making sure your body, you're moving your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not just sitting there writing is so sedentary, right? So we really have to move our bodies because the way I uh, try to help uh, these women engage is we're using all of the body. We're using mm-hmm. all of our soul. We're using our mind, our soul, our spirit. And uh, yeah, there's a step-by-step process I use in that program online um, has boiled down that step-by-step process. And I start with just one simple story from the person's life. Even if they're going to write fiction or scripts, if it's not memoir, even if they're going to write self-help. And in that simple story, it's like the microcosm of the bigger life. In it are the themes that are important to the person. In it are the memories that are important to the person um, the way they see the world. And so by just developing that one simple story from that, you know, it, that's the start. If, mm. There's so much more to say. So I'm hoping that is somewhat clear. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's great because I was wondering, and one of the questions was how do you help or anyone you're working with really unlock their authenticity? Cause that, yeah, you know, having a real deep sense of who you are is, I think, probably fundamental, particularly, well, I don't know why I say this, but particularly for writing fiction, but <laughs> probably for <laughs> nonfiction too. Um, and then from that, I guess, once you have that deep sense of knowing who you are and, and you know, who at that soul level you really are, um, then comes a deeper sense of understanding about purpose, all the purpose of what you're trying to achieve when you're talking and thinking about purpose do you it is purpose one thing or is it a process in helping you to people to live a purposeful life or does it not matter which way you look I, at it i i'm not sure uh, exactly what you mean louise but i'll just answer it this way um the core values exercises that are out there. Um, I love this. I have mine um, taped up right here as I'm talking to you. And to me, it's getting to the values you had, even when you were born. Like I always knew I would travel. I was five years old. I also knew when I was that young, I wouldn't um, have children. And I would just spend all of the time exploring my own creative self. I knew that very young, different. And what I love about the core values exercise is that it helped me honor that everybody has their own and mm-hmm. yours doesn't have to be mine. And my, it's mm-hmm. a freedom. There's a freedom in that. I tell you, you know, like, why is that person acting that way? Right? Well, their values aren't yours. It's okay. It's okay, just mm-hmm. deepen into your core values. And I know for me, um, understanding them and uh, understanding those core values 
what I do uh, is then look at if I'm having problems in an area, it's usually because my core values are out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way it's a process as well. But I feel pretty solid that these are core values that go way back to my first memories. Yeah. Yeah. And from that is the process of aligning. Uh, and, and, and that's a continuous process. Like I'm having, a t- I'm right now having a difficult situation in my life. And so I'm just looking at my core values and going, okay, which one's out of alignment in this situation? Mm-hmm. And that can mean that clarity itself can mean you get out of a situation more quickly. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, kind of, yes. I can okay. see how it probably connects. I, I was kind of asking about this whole question of purpose. And, you know, some people say that we all have a purpose to discover and to follow. And others will say, well, actually, it's enough in life to work with purpose. So um, as long as there is meaning in what you're doing, it doesn't necessarily have to link to this all-consuming life um, directional one purpose. Yeah, and I would I would think that would be so different for different people, right? A different way mm-hmm. of viewing it. What I love is the variety, you know, with travel, we get this a lot. I just really love the variety of uh, the way people see things. So to me, I think you both could be right for different people. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. all, all yeah. could be true. Yeah, that's the thing I want to say with the book coaching that I do. The greatest compliment I got was I got I I got uh, writers together. Many of them flew in and had a public reading of my clients' work. And the biggest compliment I got from people was that everybody's voice was so different. And I guess because they thought they had the same coach, that they would have similar voices. It's just not true because the variety to me is so exciting. It's like going to a rainforest. And it's like, to me, the cutting down of the rainforests and the homogenization of, of everything, the education system, everything is part of the you know, problem because that variety, one isn't better than the other, right? It's just this flower is no better than that fern. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just a, what I like to do is cultivate that genuine way that that person would grow like a plant. And how mm-hmm. that plant would flower, not saying one, um, you know, one is more right than the other. Now, the publishing yeah. industry has a different way of seeing it. <laughs> but for me mm-hmm. as a coach, <laughs> I'm just like, no, my God, let's glory in the way that you um, say things. And one of the things I wanted to say about coaching pe- uh, people, expat accompanying partners is the biggest thing I simply do is help the person find their authenticity and then just say, yes, just say it, say what you want to say. And a lot Mm. of women need that support that it's okay to just say what you uh, are thinking and write it. Mm. So often the coaching is write that, just write what you just said. What? Can I write that? Yes, (laughs) you can. You can. We want to hear your voice and it's different from her voice and it's different from her voice. And that variety is what makes abundance, you know? Yeah. 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 And I can see how in society generally through education and over time, our voices are 
curtailed in many, many ways because we are, or we believe we're told what we should think and say, which is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, well, and that's, that's why the expat journey is so good, right? Because mm-hmm. you start to question everything. That's why it's hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's why it's really good because you start to question everything. Wait, do I really even believe that? Yeah. Or is that yeah. something mm-hmm. that I'm culturally supposed to believe? Yeah, you start questioning everything. Yeah, and you see people living with so many different diverse views and beliefs um, that you realise the possibilities. So that's, yeah, like, that's an exciting part of the journey, I think, yeah. So, um, you know, writing, obviously, it helps expats um, and particularly expat partners that you work with um, to find their authenticity. And then it helps them to write. So how do you see that their expat experiences kind of coming out through their writing? Are they always writing about those expat journeys or are they writing a whole range of you know, fiction that you perhaps wouldn't label expat, but it's just drawing on a, a range of experiences? So the people I have worked with definitely have had a, a connection to the expat uh, world in their writing. Um, from nonfiction self-help books. It all comes back to their purpose, though. So um, uh, I'll give you an example. I was working with a woman who uh, was writing a novel about a tribe in a certain South American country. I'm going to keep this general so I don't ruin her privacy or hurt her privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's writing fiction about a tribe in a certain uh, Latin American country that she had uh, experience with. Mm-hmm. She had grown up with, but she was in another country uh, writing this novel. So first mm-hmm. off, she'd al- always wanted to write a novel. She'd always wanted to write about this tribe. But the interesting thing is her expat lifestyle allowed her the distance to be able to mm-hmm. see it from further away and write it. And she will say mm-hmm. this herself, right? So so that had an expat component to it, but her, her soul even when she was a little girl, wanted to write fiction. Right. And then uh, working with uh, someone, in, uh, a lot of women who write memoir, a lot of expat accompanying partners who write memoir, and their, their experience uh, of traveling the world to find their purpose. So I'm working with a three or four right now who are just, you know, describing the experience of how travel, how each experience led them closer and closer to finding a purpose, their purpose as a coach, as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So yes, each of the people I work with, it it starts with core values they had even when they were little, but definitely the expat experience is part of that, their journey and their books. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So for anyone who's listening to this and who has is interested in being sparked <laughs> by your this conversation and, and your writing journey and the journey of the, the people you support, um, what can they take as their next steps? How can they get in touch with you? Okay, so um, I want to say separate from even working with me, if you are passionate about writing a novel uh, about your expat experience, read as many 
um, expat novels as you can, even just even separate from working with a coach. There's so much you can do to start. Um, you want to write self-help, expat self-help, start reading a lot of it. Um, memoir, start reading it, start really engaging what other people have done before you. And that will, that will like get you really ready to start the writing. And then for me as, for me as a coach, um, so my website is artofstorytellingonline.com. And um, I have an expat creative writer program that's usually it's over a thousand dollars. I put it down to 300 just to help out during the pandemic. And it's going to go back up uh, beginning of July, but that's out there and it's eight weeks. It's self study, but it will really start you on the path. Um, What I love about it is it gets you really aligned with your message. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's focuses on writing one simple story, but what the feedback I've been given given about it is people feel really aligned after it mm-hmm. and like energized and jazzed and excited. And they know what they, they get closer to knowing what they want to write or they know what they want to write. And other than that, I do one-on-one coaching. I'm like sort of the old school, <laughs> you know, how, like I'm kind of an old school writer type, which means just, you know, it's pretty straightforward contacting me by email. You could talk about your book and what one-on-one coaching would look like nothing yeah. no bells and whistles nothing fancy just authentic work you know so <laughs> you know that sounds fantastic so well thank you so much for, for sharing your story and your insights I've, I've learned a lot as you've been speaking and sharing um, your journey so thank you very much Caroline. thank you so much for doing this I just think it's just a great series that you're doing thank you Uh, well thank thank you very much bye-bye bye-bye and thank you so much for listening remember to access links and resources and the full transcript go to thrivingabroad.com episode 60 and look for the link to the transcript in the blog post and while you're there subscribe to the newsletter so i can keep you up to date with all the latest podcast news through my fortnightly newsletter Now, Caroline shares all the details of her programs, including a book writer's VIP day, if you're a professional or a coach thinking about writing a book. She also talks about her writer's forum on Facebook and an online program where she is offering an amazing $600 discount on a program designed to gently guide people in becoming a writer. So to learn more about those and find the links for those, go to the blog post associated with this interview, thrivingabroad.com, look for episode 60, and you'll find all the links there in the blog post. So once again, thank you to Caroline for participating in this podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'll be back soon with the next episode in the Thriving Broad podcast series. Meanwhile, take care and stay well wherever you are in the world. Bye-bye for now.